Welcome, folks, to the Goose Gossip Podcast. I'm your host, Levi Gerke. Thank you for tuning in. I have on a lot of great guests that come on to the show. Also have an Instagram and Facebook. Just look up the Goose Gossip Podcast. Helps you stay updated with new guest speakers as well as some great content. This podcast is brought to you by the following. Molt Gear. For 16 years, Molt Gear has been bringing the hunt hard, hunt alive philosophy with their lineup of calls, instructional material, and apparel. Each call is tuned by the owner of three-time World Live Goose Calling Champion Scott Trinan, based in the heart of Goose Country, Rochester, Minnesota. Check them out at www.moltgear.com. Dakota Decoy Company, established in 2007. Dakota Decoy Company has built and grown the company to offer a full lineup of top-quality decoys, blinds, and accessories that you, the demanding hunter, not only expects, but deserves. Located in Vermilion, South Dakota, along the Missouri River. Or check them out on www.dakotadecoy.com. Premium gunning decoys for demanding hunters. Mallard Bay is an Airbnb-style marketplace for discovering and booking guided hunting and fishing adventures. The Mallard Bay platform was built by sportsmen for sportsmen, and their mission is to help expand access to affordable and successful hunting by connecting you with verified outfitters across the U.S. You can browse trips and prices by state or species, select the dates you'd like to go, message outfitters, and make your deposit with a credit card. Fastest and easiest way to book a guided trip with a verified outfitter, go to www.mallardbay.com. Other guys' outfitters, home to one of the biggest concentrations of waterfowl in the United States. Great people, great hunting. Reach out to them on their Instagram and message them to book your hunt now or you will not want to miss out on their hunts next year. Bourbon Media prides themselves in being the leader in all things digital marketing for the outdoors industry. Websites, social media management, paid advertising, SEO, logo and design, and content creations. Focus more on your business and let the professionals at Bourbon Media increase your company's digital profits. Contact them on Instagram or Facebook at Bourbon Media or reach out to them on their website at bourbon-media.com. Webfoot Waterfowl Co., the most comfortable and trustworthy lanyards you can buy. Many options available from color to size. Head over to their website, www.webfootwaterfowl.com. As well, you can find them on Instagram. Go check out their product. I have several of their lanyards. Love every single one I have. K2 Coolers, established in 2011 with a commitment to design a quality cooler that would give years of reliable service at very affordable prices. Located in Broussard, Louisiana, check them out at www.k2-coolers. When you think of K2 coolers, think real value, real cold. Big thank you out to all my listeners for enjoying this podcast as much as I do. It is great hearing from all the great feedback from all my listeners. Sit back and enjoy this episode. back folks to another episode of the goose gossip podcast and on the phone today is joe heinz joe how's it going my friend what's going on pretty good dude pretty good <laughs> good deal good deal where you at right now i am in hutchinson minnesota you got that intro down pretty freaking good hey? <laughs> yeah something like that i guess that's not a recording. You actually just went with it, and it sounded real. I was like, no, dang, that... this guy isn't missing. No, 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 that is a recording. 
Oh, it is. <laughs> See? <laughs> yeah, I'm not. There's no way that I could sit there and 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 ace that every single time on the hundredth episode. Now you know, or well, sorry, right. not. This is like the hundredth and fourth one, I think. Now. Damn. Well, yeah, I thought it was because you're like, right, I'm going to do that intro. Hold on. And it sounded like you didn't even put the phone down. I was like, holy shit, this guy's going. And it sounds great. <laughs> you're like, damn, this is going to be a good podcast. This guy's just yeah, never right. missing this, a beat. You're right. This guy's smooth. But anyway, I'm not that impressed now that I know you cheated. <laughs> I didn't cheat my whole way to the top. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, hey, you got to. You yeah, got to. Hey, man. I just got to say one thing about your your livelihood about the whole outdoors is that when it comes to the off season, you're just like off the walls. Can you like explain why you just like, you're like, boom, I'm gone. I'm, I'm vacation style right away. You do. You have to, I mean, a guy plays hard or a guy works hard. You got to play hard. Right. Exactly. And I just kind of live by that. You know, like, dude, I've sat in a cold pit for the last two months. I've been waking up at four in the morning, the two months prior to that. I still, I still got to go south, you know, for another month and between guiding and filming and everything. It's just like, I need to shut my brain off to a point when it comes to how am I going to kill him? Where can I kill him? Right. How many farmers handshakes do I got to shake? You know, it's like, uh, you just have to turn the dial down a little bit. Otherwise it drives you a little bit insane. Do you go with somebody usually on those adventures during the off season or is it just like, when yeah, you know, yeah. Okay. Just, yeah, I do. I got a girl. I got a girlfriend, which a lot of people don't know about because I keep my private life private. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's there's yeah. Instagram, there's Snapchat, there's social media in general, and then there's your regular life. You know, there's nothing that's there's nothing wrong with that. I don't. I'm not contouring you about that at all. Right, right. No, yeah, and uh, a lot of people do ask. They're like, "Do you go down there by yourself?" I'm like, "No, dude. I I go down there. I've had a girlfriend for." Uh, Probably ten years now. Oh no, kidding! Oh, okay. I mean, on and off. I've had a, I'd have a girlfriend, this girlfriend for two years, three years. One girlfriend was seven, and now this one's. We're going on two or three, you know, yada yada. So, what about the iguana hunt? You know, is that is that something that a guy should go on and experience, or is that just something that's like like oh okay, it's not that bad? Oh no, dude! It was it was some of the most legal fun that I've ever had. I mean, it's, it, it felt illegal, you know, which was just nuts. I mean, you're going down there's little canals in like Fort Hot or uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and you're on this little boat and you're just clinking iguanas out of trees and out of sidewalks and stuff. I mean, if you have a clear shot, like a clear background, yeah, you can take it. You got traffic going over the top of you and you're underneath that bridge just wiping out iguanas. It was just, ridiculous amount of fun what about the karens do they come out and yell at you guys and everything like without he he does say because we do like sometimes we pull right up on people's like backyard docks you know and he's like uh we'll hide the guns here so it just looks like we're cruising you know so we don't Uh, get a lot of that but yeah no we uh we actually had like a seven foot giant iguana hanging out on this guy's pool fence yeah. And I was trying to think of a way I could take the shot, but in the background, the dude's house was probably a three, four million dollar house, like literally made of glass. So if you would have missed, you would have broke one of that dude's windows. <laughs> so we skipped out. But yeah, no, I mean, there's there wasn't a lot of Karen just because we did it safe and hit the guns when we needed to and stuff. No, is that just like almost like pigeon hunting for Florida people? Like they're just they're in or evasive and everything like that. They're just annoying. Yeah. 
Yep, yep. They do a lot of damages to roadways, and and you know their crap isn't good and all that stuff. So don't have to do anything with like harvesting wise. They just just you can no just limit, with... no license. It's just like pigeon hunting, like you said, man. Wow. You can kill them if you want to eat them. Go ahead. If you don't want to eat them, dispose of them. That's fine. So now you on your the you're on your done vacation wise with the whole off season thing, or is there off season uh, ventures for Joe Heinz uh, coming forward? Well, I mean, I got a camper, so me and the girlfriend go camping. So we'll just, you know, pull the camper wherever. We last place we went to was Latuna, Iowa. Okay. So that was pretty cool. And I mean, we had Winstock Music Festival this last weekend of just three days of straight drinking and listening <laughs> to country music. So that was fun. But I mean, yeah, we go here and there and everywhere. I mean, I got weddings and bachelor parties and all that stuff in the near future. So, so I'm not going to be going to like Mexico or anything, but that's just a one time, one time deal right off the bat just to get it over with. Yeah. But then we decided to go back within like a month later. I'm like, what are we doing here? Let's just go back. Screw it. Weather was still <laughs> shitty. I'm like, let's go. <laughs> so we left again. That's fine. That's awesome. And when, when I see you do that, it's like, you know, that that guy just sits there and he's like, you were saying it in the beginning that you just beat the whole, the cold pits and everything like that and just grind yep. away and everything it's just like dang like you gotta get away you gotta get away yeah you have to i mean there's no there's no sense in just sitting there and thinking about hunting when you can't right now you know so let's jump into a little bit of hunting i mean how was the the season for say yourself and like throughout the ventures of being a, a not a freelance guide and everything of that nature was it mm -hmm. was it the beat hard bush or was it pretty smooth this season it was pretty smooth all the way up until about October. And I think all of us here in Minnesota felt that October lull. Mm. And it, it hit pretty hard. <laughs> you know, like we, we had a couple groups booked and I told them like, it's definitely not worth it. You know, and they, they came back later, which I'm glad they did. And we did good. But the days, like I hunt every single day. So from opener on, I'm literally hunting every day. Oh, and, man. um, Go ahead. How many days is that total then? Oh boy, you know <laughs> you September. <don't> count them. <laughs> no, no, it's just guys putting in his work, you know, day yeah. after day after day. And I mean, it has to be like a violent rainfall with lightning and stuff for me not to go, <laughs> you know. Right. But um, yeah, that October that that October is pretty brutal. And uh, we went, we were averaging anywhere from ten birds to whatever. And um, October hit, and I think I had like a week, like eight, nine days in October where we shot zeros, or we shot like one duck, you know what I mean? Right, and so weather was, was like, violent. weather was like kind of like vastly like intermediate, like it wasn't what it was over the years, like it was different for you right. in Minnesota this year? Yeah, and I think the other problem was it was so dry too. Yep. So we didn't have the flooded cornfields and the flooded bean fields that had that had a bunch of ducks in in them and stuff, you know. So the geese were being stubborn. You, there was no reason for them to leave, and they had the hunting pressure on them. So they were a little smart, and they were starting to fly like right past shooting time and stuff like that. I mean, it just sucks. We we went to a me and my buddy Brian went to a cornfield that uh, right next to it is the refuge. Like literally there's like an invisible line that we know where we can set our blinds, you know, mm -hmm. and a foot this way is the game refuge unplowed corn. The day before there was 400 honkers in there and we set up coal. It was cold and cloudy, good wind. One flock of geese came off of the, uh, 
roost, checked us out at 50 yards in the air and went back to the water and another flock didn't come out until shooting time. <laughs> wow. So it's like, are you serious, dude? This is the perfect weather condition for you guys to flood out here and us to murder you. And <laughs> it didn't happen. <laughs> and that's when I knew like this October can just you piss know, off. <laughs> F right off. So have you hunted in far different states from Minnesota throughout the season or is Minnesota kind of like stomping grounds and you, you beat it up throughout the whole season through Minnesota? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, September through October, I hunt like Hutchinson, okay. Minnesota area and surrounding, you know, half hour this way, 45 minutes this way. But then, um, come November through December, I go up to Fergus falls and that's where our heated pits are. Right. So then we run, we run guys there. And then when that's done, then we go to Oklahoma, me and Nick Johnson guide down there for a week. And then after that, it's, it's really, really anywhere, Nebraska, um, Ohio, Iowa, freaking I've been in New York, New Jersey, anywhere, anywhere that's still open, you know, whoever needs help anywhere. Yeah, our help, or we go down there with our trailers and just kind of do it ourselves down to Illinois and stuff like that. No kidding. So, we'll you know, just drag it all. Speaking with Scott on the podcast as well, like hearing about Minnesota geese, you know, I'm from South Dakota and I've went to Minnesota mm-hmm. briefly to hunt geese here and there. And it's just like one of those deals where I heard him sitting there speaking about Minnesota geese compared to a lot of different states. What's your yep. impersonation of like going to far different states and seeing how geese react compared to Minnesota? Is it is it far easier or far greater? Just like oh my gosh, it's kind of the same or harder. You know, I feel like it's it's I feel like it can be harder in Minnesota because we do have a little bit more pressure. Right. And I also think maybe you know I I don't know. It's uh, when I've gone to other places and people are like, Oh, they're so smart here. You're not going to be able to kill them. And then you, when you get down there, you almost think it's because you can't goose call that well. You know what I mean? Right. So us here in Minnesota, we have such good goose callers that it can change the whole game. It definitely can. And, and so I run, I run with four or five guys almost everywhere I go that know how to blow a goose call, goose call above average. So I kind of have the saying, if, as long as you get us under them or get me under them, we, we can kill them, you know? That's like one of your greatest things that you love to do as well, isn't it? Like trafficking geese? Oh, it's 99% we traffic geese. See, that's another one thing, that's another thing one that just catches me just crazy is about trafficking geese. I, I haven't done it a lot in South Dakota, but. <sighs> yep. Yeah, I mean, it's it's my favorite kind of hunting. I mean, literally 1% of the time we'll get on an X field and, and shoot them in an X. Otherwise, it's like, oh, well, they're flying over this grass field. We'll just set up in that grass field <laughs> yeah, them- and stuff like that. It's that, That's my favorite type of hunting because those geese, you can get away with a lot more too, you know. I feel like you, right. you, know, you can hide in different ways because those geese weren't feeding in there, so they don't know what to expect in there. Like, oh, yeah, that big blob of bush is what's probably there. I don't know. Look at all these decoys or geese. Let's go down there. Over your so. years of, like, hunting, you know, in and out, you, I mean, probably been hunting since just young whippersnappers, what they say. I mean, throughout yeah. the years, what have you experienced as the greatest development of, like, the goose or just even waterfowl in general? In the your, greatest development of the goose? No, just, like, your greatest development of what you – or sorry, interpret of waterfowl, like what you love the most about it. 
over the years? I, I mean, I'd just say the calling really? and the trickery of it. You know, I mean, there's nothing better than waking up and, and I call it drawing the perfect picture when you're setting out the decoys and you're making it look like, you know, this thing is just loaded with geese and it looks gorgeous. And you're like, this is where they're going to land. And you can manipulate those birds where to land, you know, and, and it, that's, I don't know, my opinion, that's the best thing in the right. whole freaking world. The, the greatest question ever, are you still learning about waterfowl to this day? You, you know, if I said no, it would sound pretty ignorant, right? <laughs> yeah. but, but, I, but I think at this point, I have a pretty good blueprint, <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, right. I've kinda, can, I can kind of just go anywhere and be like, let's set the spread this way. Unless it's like a very, very high-pressured area, like Fergus Falls right. later in the year. We have a thousand decoys out, and me and Connor and Toso are shredding on the goose calls, and the geese just still don't want to do it, you know. But then I can go down to southern Minnesota or down in Iowa, and I can, you know, okay, they're flying over this field, or they're going into this cornfield. We'll drive the trailers in there. We'll set it up like this. Here's how we'll hide. And I mean, we usually limit it out. So I don't know what else I could have taken from that, you know. And that, and then right. it's like, yeah. I, did another cornfield hunt and that's my 2000th one, you know, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> yeah. or a grass field or anything. I think what people need to learn is, is how to run traffic a little better and not just rely on X fields. If that makes sense. But... Do you need calling for traffic fields then since you're on the topic? Yeah. Oh well, yeah. I think absolutely you do. I mean, don't get me wrong. You could, you could lay there silently. And, uh, or you could like, you know, be a flute caller, which nothing against flute callers. I got a couple buddies that sound amazing on a flute and they yeah. sound dog shit on a short read. So I just tell them to keep blowing the flute. But yeah, if, if you and a buddy are sitting out there, um, flutes hooting boogie and you hit the flag a couple times, you'll kill some geese. But if, if you are out there with some advanced goose callers, you can, you can get them to party pretty wild, you know, it gets crazy. So what's the the number one thing that you'd have to say that you want to be the best at out in the field, is it setting up decoys, scouting or calling? Uh, well, I mean, scouting's one of the major things. I mean, you're, right. I'm not going to go to the this Sahara desert and blow my goose call and hope that I'm going to kill geese, you know? So that's just kind of like a gimme. You have to be where some birds are, you know? Yeah. You have to put in the time to scout, but I think your deadliest tool is goose calling. Right. A lot of people overlook it, you know? Yeah, and it, and it's a big controversial topic about like these people that I mean you do competition calling and you're very good at calling out yeah. in the field and competition calling, and people get mm -hmm. the misconception of like those guys that competition call can't call geese out in the field and it's like no they can probably call yeah, geese out in but, the field a lot better. Well, right, but don't get me wrong, I've I've had it where a couple I've gone with a couple guys that are very good goose callers and it's like you don't know how to read the bird. So that's that's probably what I'd say. What would be the most important thing would be reading the bird. Right. Being able to goose call and being able to read birds and being able to read birds just comes with experience. You know, you really can't buy it. You can't, you can't almost teach it. You just, you have to be an experienced waterfowler out there and watching what the birds do and so what they do when you make this noise and that noise. And when you hit the flag and when the decoys are like this or, you know, yada, yada. Right. And you're saying from learning from the geese and I'm just trying to speak this for like teaching other people that maybe want to learn from this because they, there's constantly people that want to learn about waterfowl, as you know. Yep. I mean is that when you say learning geese, 
Like you watch them come from a water to a feed like myself. Like you yep. don't just watch them. Oh, they hit that field. All right, we're good. Like you're watching how they react to the field, how many times they spin nope. or everything like nope. that then. Nope. Oh, nope. I'm, I'm saying I, when I go out and watch them go, I'll go, oh, okay, they're going to this. They're usually, like I told you, but we don't really hunt X fields. I have so many spots around my town here that if they go that direction, I got a spot or two out there. If they go south, I got a spot or two out there. They go north, you know, yada, yada. So as long as I see them going in that direction and going over that field, it's like, okay, you know, they're, they should be screwed. So then we'll go out there, set the decoys, and by what I mean by re- being able to read geese, especially migrators, is when those geese come over you and you start – do they want you to call them all the way to the ground where you just call aggressively, call aggressively. And as soon as you let off that call, they pick their wing beats back up and they start leaving. So sometimes they want you to call them all the way to the ground. And then mm-hmm. there's times where, you know, you can just hit them with a couple clucks and a couple moans here, you know, nothing fancy and fast. And that's what they want to hear. But then the next group comes out and you start getting fast on them and they don't like that. Like they're not locked up. They're starting to scoot around you. It's like, screw that. But if you just have one guy honk and another guy moan and you tap the flag and here they come, you know, I mean, every, every flock is different and every day is different in that aspect too. So you just have to keep your eye on the bird. And sometimes that flock of geese likes hearing certain notes and likes hearing the speed and the aggressiveness. And sometimes they don't. Hmm. And you can really turn a hunt around if you recognize it, you know. So, so my little quick speech about, <laughs> about reading geese is just, just unremarkable compared to what you do. Or is, are you saying you're taking that same? No- I mean, I don't take any offense to it because, like, I, I try to read yeah. them like how they react to the feed, like on how fast they come in, or this and that and the other. And you just throw that outside the book at all. You don't even worry about any of that then. Well, because most times they're not going into our fields. Oh, okay. So yeah, you that, know what I mean. And, and so, do you take? Have you ever taken that knowledge and brought it to a different state? Obviously, you travel all over and set yep. forth person that is a, a native to the area, and you're like, dude, let's let's just traffic them right there. And they're like, what are you talking about? We can get the eggs. You're like, well, we can hunt the, the traffic for three days or two days and then yeah, hunt yeah. the eggs. You know what I mean? Do they ever, exactly. like, second guess you? Oh, absolutely. They do it all the time, <laughs> especially especially when I'm like, they're like, well, that, that, that field's black. And I'm like, well, yeah, but look at that bean field right next to it. And they're like, well, they're not going into the bean field. And it's like, yeah, of course. And they're like, well, there's no stubble out there either. And it's like, well, just use this green ditch grass. And they're like, there's no way. Like, I've, I've had a couple guys where I'm, like, stubbling blinds with dead yellow ditch grass or with green ditch grass to go hunt a bean field. And they're looking at me like, I don't even know why I woke up and went hunting with this guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, just trust me. And then we get out there and we're shooting geese at 10 yards. It's like, see? See, as long as you know how to hide really well and call, it'll, it'll take you a long way. I learned that from Nick Jay's, one of Nick Jay's. I don't know if it was YouTube, Snapchat, or whatever, but he was saying that he don't yep. he don't always use, you know, the grass or the hide that yeah, the no, color contrast. Is, yeah, like why? Like, yeah. see, we can get away with, finally, I've convinced my friends over the years that you can just hide an A-frame right in the front of a, or right in the middle of a silage field. As long as you're hidden and make it look somewhat realistic, they're not going to give and a shit. And nobody's peeking. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, no, you can do crazy shit, man. As long as you, they don't like, uh, humans. So as long as you're yeah. hiding the humans and they can't see humans, you're fine. Over, over Especially the, run, running traffic. Yeah. Over the years with, um, having people in the field that isn't a friend or anything like an actual clientele, well, how does that go for yourself? Like, 
contributing like hey don't pop your head out i know as much as you want to see the geese like over the years is that frustrating or is it like it's just a part of the gig you know it's a part of it it's you know it's it's part of the gig and uh, it, it depends on like if you book a group of six guys and it's just you and your five buddies right i'll let you get away with a little more like i'll tell you like hey man you gotta you gotta hide your face so you gotta close your lid a little bit more or or some guy's calling on his goose calling. It sounds like absolute shit. I just kind of like, okay, whatever. It's it's their hunt. You know, it's it's right. really their hunt. But if I have two guys that come with and I join them up with another four guys or six guys, then it's not just them that they're letting down, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. So I kind of have to tell them, like, hey, dude, if you don't keep your head in here, we're not going to kill any geese. And it's not just you sitting in here. Like, these guys don't even know who you are, and you're wrecking it for them. Yeah. And, and sometimes another you, gotta, thing, you gotta be brutally honest. I, I'm sorry for cutting you off, but like you gotta be brutally no, honest with them right off the bat yeah, with certain to. things. Yeah, I've heard a couple people's feelings telling them like, hey, uh, you don't have to call or, or quit calling or anything. You know, I, I've kind of gotten over that over the years. Or if I do have a kid that wants to call, I'll just tell them like, yeah, call. And then, because um, I know they can't really hear him because me and my two, three buddies or whoever I'm hunting with. Way louder. Um, way louder you know it drowns it out so it doesn't matter and it, and it makes them feel like they're part of the hunt which i completely understand but right sometimes you uh you just gotta take lead and do what you gotta do what is the next step for yourself in this this waterfall industry that we call it is that like is joe always gonna be guiding until the day that he can barely get in a wheelchair down the cornfield or something of that nature no, I'll be hunting till that happens, you know. Right. Even then, I'll crawl if I can. But <laughs> they, um, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't plan on guiding for. God, I don't know. I always say I don't plan on guiding, but it's I, what my dream is, and I've kind of already living it, is just traveling and filming and just making fun content with my friends, you right. know. And um, we've been doing that, but also it's like, well, I'm going to be hunting anyways. So what's the difference if I have four other guys here that are paying me, you know? Right. So now I'm hunting and filming for the roost or whatever, and then I'm also getting paid by these guys. So, you know, just kind of snowballs. <laughs> it's like, well, I quit guiding if I'm already going to be out here and at least I'm making money, you know? So, I mean, have you always just, like, the guiding part is, like, this is enough or have you ever like saved up money and you want to like build your own outfit or do you not even want that stress in your life then? No, no, that's not my dream. That's my dream, dream isn't to own a, no, I don't want to own a big lodge where people can come <laughs> and smoke cigars and drink beer. I mean, it's cool and fun, but I've been to a lot of places like that and I know the owners of them very well. And you know, it's a lot of overhead and, and half the time, especially now with gas prices and who knows what's going to happen with that. You know, it's yeah. almost a, it's almost like not worth it, but worth it, but not worth it. I don't know. A lot of stress. It, we, we could go down a wormhole with the whole gas prices with waterfowl. If it don't turn down, I don't know a lot of outfitters or a lot of people that are going to travel the extra distance to drive to an outfitter even. Like losing yeah. clientele might even be an, uh, an aperture mm-hmm. of a thing, you know? Right. Yeah. It, it, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's why everybody's prices are going up, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean... We're we're feeling the inflation too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because to find the birds, you gotta yeah drive to the birds. Exactly right. Exactly right. What do you what do you take for the next step for waterfowl yourself, or is it just each season? It's just you know here's the birds I'm gonna hunt them, or do you take an aspect of like 
I can do better this season. Or like you said, <laughs> without being uh, like a arrogant or whatever is like you already got them oh, figured yeah. out or is, but is there a point in time like each year you feel like you got to like better yourself on some things or is it just like got to go to work no uh i mean i don't know everything's i've had the same fields around my hometown here for like 10 years now right i don't really need many more you know and then trevor over by where he lives he lives a half uh, half hour away from me. He's got his fields over there. Trevor Ludke is the one I own Legend Outfitters with. Mm-hmm. And then in Fergus Falls, we got some of the best spots out there. So it's like we have everything locked down. We have the decoys. We have the calling power. We know the ins and outs of it. So I guess my next step would be just film better content, to be honest with you. And are you filming this yourself? Or are you hiring the filming or anything of that nature? I'm high, I got I'm. I hire a camera guy. I'm not a big believer in the uh, self-filming okay. stuff. You know, I don't know. I just it just wasn't my style. I grew up with the foils and the zinc videos and the you know uh, Scott Trinan's videos and stuff. Right on. And not, and none of that was self-filmed. I, I mean, nothing against the people that are doing it because if they can get a following on it and they can you know make some money off whatever other hustle they're doing. That's great, but it's just nothing that I really want to watch because it just looks like mosquitoes getting shot if you're using a GoPro anyways. You know? that, yeah, that I that's one thing that would just always alter mine is that if you're going to film and you want to be the person filming, you shouldn't be shooting. You know what I mean? I don't know. That's, that's my self-imputation of it. And like you said, it's not beating anything of the bush, but it's like those GoPro videos, those POVs yeah. are terrific to the right people's eyes, but I... I don't get the They're same. They're cool for the person filming it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's about weird. it. I seen that Andrew Bowie has went with you. I I purchased his camera, and he he he's mm-hmm. a hell of a videographer and photographer. What, what was your impersonations of him? Was he was he just top notch out in the field then? Uh, Bowie is one of the coolest dudes I've ever met. <laughs> very like very professional. Has the eye for it, and that's a hard thing to get too. You know, I mean, you can. You can hire a camera guy, but you need to hire a camera guy that's actually a hunter. Right. Which gets tough because if they're a hunter, they like to hunt also, you know. Yep. But Bowie, you got to find a guy that likes being behind the camera as much as he does the gun. And then most times, too, I'll be like, all right, Bowie, because I like filming also. Like, after we're done limiting out, I'll be like, all right, Bowie, jump in there and kill your five or three or wherever we're at, you know. Yeah. But no, Bowie's the man. That camera that you have um, – he filmed the 50 stack on the Roost TV that we did. And, no kidding. And that, yeah, it just came out so awesome, so uh, badass. He's, he's got an eye for it, and um, he knows ins and outs of it, and he does a very good job. Yeah, Bowie's a stand-up dude. I like him a lot. So uh, over the years, have you just – is it just so amazing over the years of how many people you've met? Has that ever, like, you step back and you're like, holy shit, this is more of a dream than I thought it would have been? Even just the killing aspects, like, the amount of people that you've met. Yeah, yeah. I meet so many people that it, I feel bad about it because a lot of times people come up to me and be like, oh, I hunted with you a couple times, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I don't recognize them <laughs> because they're not covered in Sitka gear or something, you know? It's like when you see your doctor not in scrubs at the grocery store, he's like, hey, how's those warts doing? And you're like, oh shit! You know, you don't you don't remember who he is because he doesn't have his scrubs on. Does that make sense, though? Yeah, it does. It does. It does. It really does. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. I, I mean, there's there's a point where it's like, you know, over the years that you just see so many people, and and you does it ever like affect you? Where it's like, oh my gosh, I feel so much of like, 
disrespect to myself where it's like you don't want to say anything wrong you know what i mean yes yeah i mean they also tell them like dude you got to remember november december we ran 900 guys out of those pits so we ran 900 clients and then that's not even including hutch right so i can't remember everybody's face and a lot of times it's cold and they have their face covered up and i mean i do remember a lot of people but there are times where I don't, and I feel like a complete dick about it. Like, I'll go out and shake your hand. Like, I'm Joe. They're like, yeah, I know. I met you a few times. It's like, fuck. <laughs> you probably remember you know? the people in the hunts where it's like you shot nine bands in a full nine-man limit or something like that, right? Uh, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes <laughs> I will. Sometimes I don't because it happens often, you know? I don't know. Right on. See, it's just like, like we, we, go on. Go ahead. I'm saying, like, people from, like, even that worker at McDonald's this is a, a terrible analogy. They they see people come through the drive-thru hundreds by the day or something like that, and it's like they're yeah, not yeah. going to remember the regular that's that's getting a <laughs> number two on the menu, and they're like, how's it going, yeah. Dave? And you're like, uh, who the fuck are you, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, can I get what I got last month? Just give me that. I'll meet you at the window. <laughs> what? You know? Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to remember so many faces, and I, I'm... I haven't been good at it anyways, but I'll randomly remember somebody's name and face from like two years ago. I don't know why. Like I'll meet him one time like, oh yeah, good old Dave. That guy's awesome. I don't know why I remember that random dude, but I do. Hey, I mean, once you get yourself into a position where like you're dealing with a lot of faces and a lot of names, you know, even with like clientele or just like running into people, it's just one of those deals where it's like, it's it's got to be a factor where it's got to be difficult, you know, and it's got to be to a point where yes. it's like, how do you handle it? And there is no handling it then because how could you even have a memorization to that point? It, right, yeah. I don't blame possible. you at all, you know? Yep. But I, I guess also when it's back to the guiding thing, I have thought about not running such big mass numbers of guys because we only charge $200 a person a day in Hutch or in Fergus. And um, I thought about maybe charging – 350 to 400 and only running four to six guys tops really and then that way i would build a better relationship with those customers you know do you have returning clientele oh yeah absolutely absolutely yeah guys coming every year you know oh shoot what about what about like um the events that are coming forward like squad fest and game fair are you going to those um, God, me and Nick Johnson were just talking about this yesterday. Like, dude, we used to go, we used to go to 10 contests a year and I'd tell people like, Oh, you're having a wedding that weekend. Well, that's, you know, that's game fair or that's Rogers or, or the Burlington contest. Like I'm totally skipping out on your wedding. I'll be at your next one. Sorry, dude. And, um, this year, David Goose's wedding is during squad fest and i freaking like yeah i like david goose a lot his girlfriend's super cool david goose i don't know if you know who he is but oh absolutely yeah one of the nicest freaking kids i've ever met in my life you know and it's like i just can't i can't do that to him you know because he's i've called him a couple times come hunt with me and he's always there and he's always polite and nice and we haven't been on good hunt we're good buddies so i'm not gonna stand up and be like i'm gonna go to the squad fest but that's why I'm missing Squad Fest. I went last year and I had a blast. That was a really cool contest. Really cool. There's you a know, lot of people there. There's a lot of people. I had a good time. I always have a good time going to the calling contest because you get to see your contest calling, like quote unquote, family almost friends. Right. So it's cool. 
There's a there's a lot of people that aren't going because of weddings and everything like that. I don't know because it was uh <laughs> it was the weekend before or shoot last year it was like what two weekends ago I think or something. It was in June fifteenth mm-hmm. or something, not in July. Yep. Hmm. Yep. 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 But no, and then um, the game fair, um, Trevor. Or, uh, so the Minnesota Go- or the Minnesota State calling one that I was supposed to bring my camper down to Scott's and stay at Scott's place and stay at Mike Benjamin's place. And I don't get to do that because Trevor Lutke's having his bachelor party that weekend. And I, I'm in his wedding. I'm in his wedding, so I can't miss that. And then the second weekend of game fair is when they're having the game fair contest, and that's when Trevor's wedding is. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I'm just missing out on it all again, kind of like I did last year. But Dang. it is what it is. Contests have slowed down tremendously. Yeah. But I still love doing it. Like it's still just a, a fun passion of mine to go somewhere and compete against people. You know. What is your greatest words towards people that are scared of getting into it? I don't know, man. Just, just do it. Just right? if you want to get into it, then just do it. But it's not as scary as you think, and it's just something. You, it's one of those things you just kind of man up and do it. I think you're standing, you're standing behind that curtain, man. We're all, we're all nervous back here. You know, we're all scared to some point, but you can't let nervousness and being scared deflect you from doing things that you want to do. You know, how long ago was it when you first went on the stage? Oh God, I was (laughs) 15 years ago, probably. And And I didn't really. And you sounded just as great as you do now, right? Exactly. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. No, I was, I was winning and nobody could touch me. All right. All right. At least take top five. No, dude, I sounded like shit. I remember when I first started, I wanted, I at least wanted to make it through the, I wanted to get to the second round of the novice. Yeah. Like me and my buddies were getting cut first round of novice contests, yeah. you know? So like we sounded like absolute crap. But then we just kept doing it and doing it and getting better. And then the people you meet and the cool people you get to talk to. I mean, back in my day, Fred Zink and Jeff Foyles and Big Sean and Field Hundall and the Hundall brothers, those were like people I looked up to. And and Tim Grounds and Hunter Grounds and shit, you know. I mean, th- these people are icons. And you get to go there and talk to them. And you're, I was so surprised at how nice and how good they were and willing to give you feedback. Yeah. So, I mean, it worked out good, but yeah, I don't know. You just have to get up there and do it. And I guess another thing I'd say is we have online contests. Like I just judged the uh, um, novice goose for online, the ICA, the International College Association. Okay. So they have online duck and goose calling contests. And there you can record yourself as many times as you want to, and you can submit your best video. Does that make sense? Yeah. So instead of like going on stage, like, all right, you get one shot, don't mess this up, otherwise you're cut. You can right. literally sit there and sit there and sit there and do 10, 20, 100 videos if you want until you get that right one that you're like, all right, this is going to be my first round, you know, routine. I'm going to send this in. So that, that's another thing that helps people too, you know. So How is it judging something like that? Because obviously all of those people may be recording a different theme that probably doesn't give the best echo or something of that nature how is it judging something like that is it very vastly different from just judging it from actually behind a curtain um you know not really because i am i've goose called and recorded myself and i've heard other recordings and i mean i can kind of tell the person's tone 
I can tell, you know, the speed. And sometimes when it gets crackled, I can tell, like, okay, they didn't, they didn't actually slip a note. It, it was just the audio that slipped. Uh-huh. And when you're judging stuff like that, you know what to look for and what, you know, you know the blueprint of it. So you, you kind of just go off of that. But, yeah, some of those kids, they sound really crisp. And then there's some of them where it's like, ah, you should have should have did it in his wide open garage because it shattered the sound. But you still got the gist of it, you know. I could probably really kill that recording with a microphone and a goose call, huh? Yeah, you might. <laughs> no, there ain't no way it'd sound the same. Anyways, have you ever done a contest before? I haven't, and that's just one of those deals where I'm really repetitive on my calling, and I, I don't know how to do like the very like loud like goose snap and this and that and the other, and I've had Scott's call since I was first got into this stuff, and I've always just like, this is enough calling to kill geese for myself in my state, and that's only my state. And yep. that's all I've left it at, you know, and, and that's all you've cared about. Really. That's all I mean, I've cared yeah, about. Some, yeah. Some people don't care. You know, some people are like, Oh, I don't need to be a champion or need and it. I mean, it doesn't really matter to be honest. It's just another fun thing to do in the off season. Cause I'm so freaking obsessed with it. Not saying that you're not, but it's also another thing to go to contests and be around the hunting world and industry and stuff, you know? Right. And I ask those questions cause there might be somebody listening to this, like, that's like, damn, maybe I should just jump into it. You know what I mean? Because it's not, it's not for I mean, the questions that I'm asking aren't for myself. It's always for like people that maybe the have listeners. like, yeah, the listeners that are like, okay, maybe, yep. maybe I should try this. You know what I mean? And there's, yep. and I've had people that I know that are going to the squad fest event and I'm like, go up there, you know? And none of them right. have said like, why aren't you going up there? Cause I just, I don't have interest for it. Not cause I'm scared. It's just yeah. I don't have the interest. Like I'm not yeah. like, like I just, I don't care for that, you know, and I appreciate right, all exactly. the people that go out there because there is a, there yep. at the event. There was a lot of people watching at the squad fest and see that was my first event going to and your mm-hmm. impersonation of it. Was that like the greatest crowd for a calling competition that you've seen over the years then too? Yeah, between that one and, and the Rogers contest. I mean, that one had a lot of people out there. It's like, whoa, hopefully some of these guys get nervous (laughs) and mess it all up. Let's go. Yeah, no, it was a a really big crowd. I was very proud of that turnout and and everything like that. So, So, I mean, okay, there's a vast amount of calls that Scott has, and you run Scott's calls. And what do you really see, like, an impression on each call that can take you into the field or out in the stage, like, why there's a big difference in each call like i'm trying to develop this question greatly so that you can answer it but yep. like each call does it have its pros and cons let's leave it at that yeah so when you're when you're doing contest calling you definitely want a deeper sounding call okay like i've uh, back in the day when i was first starting i'd get cut because i had my call tuned so light that it sounded like a little goose and you can get more air out but when you're doing a contest you want a deeper sounding big Canada goose. So what I'm getting at is the X reflex is a little too short. You're not going to get those, those deeper tones that some of those judges are looking for. Yes, you will kill geese with that call. But when it comes to trying to impress a judge, you need to move along the lines of like a triumph where it's more dense and got a longer insert. It's just a longer call. So you're going to get better quality tone out of those bigger calls. And then when it, when it comes to like a, um, um, X reflex is probably my favorite one just for killing geese in the field, but not on the stage. I'd never bring it on the stage, but then, um, 
like the rush also has a very short mouthpiece and a, and a bored out barrel. So that's also going to give you a higher tone. So it's not something that you really want to bring on stage. So your best guess or your best call, if you want a big goose tone would be his triumph or his EX three out in the field. Do you have several different calls for different nope. aspects and different situations or just one? Just one. Just I just one. use the go-to or I use the triumph or I use the reflex and I just switch because if I'm hunting migrators, I'll grab the reflex because I can go a lot faster on minimal breaths and get more notes out with, you know, with shorter breaths. But then if I'm like hunting an X field, maybe, I mean, not even, but if I was like, okay, I'm going to go hunt water and I need like a deeper, softer tone, yeah, I'd get a longer call, like an EX3 or a Triumph or something, but. I always got a kick am, out of it that you got like bubbles on your read and I'm like, damn, I just don't call and yeah. I don't hunt every day. And I'm like, I've never like, <laughs> see, like I just started getting into this whole like, like Instagram industry stuff, like seeing a whole bunch of other people's like aspects of hunting and everything of that nature over this year. Yep. <laughs> and it, it's just crazy to see like, why is, what's a bubble on a read or something like that? I've had the same call yeah. for three years or something like that. I mean, the, what, like over the time, is it just like you know there's a bubble on your read before it even happens. You know what I mean? Yeah, you can see it coming for sure. You can definitely hear it. Really? Like if you get a bad bubble, I've seen a lot of people get cut because they'll go up there with a fresh read and they'll be blowing their call so hard and fast that the read will bubble and it'll almost lock that call up. It'll stick it. Oof. And, I mean, I can get a brand-new read in a call, run two, three routines, and look at that read and be like, oh, shit, it's bubbling already. So the harder you go and the faster you go and that thing's flexing and getting wet and all that stuff, it's it's going to crack, you know. Do you so. think breaking in a call is a, a great aspect if you buy one straight out of the box? Even Scott's calls, like, they're amazing right out of the box. But, I mean, do mm -hmm. Scott's calls need to get breaking in preferably before you take them out in the field? You know, I don't really, really think so. I mean, like Big Sean, he's got like broken in guts, you know. Mm -hmm. And it, it just, it just all depends on your, your skill level. Like okay. I can grab a pair of guts and put it in a hollowed, hollowed out tree limb and make a couple clucks on it, you know. <laughs> but if, but if you, you know, the, I don't know, it's, it's hard to explain. But right. if you get the right set of guts, and a lot of guys, I mean, there's even me. I'll walk up to somebody's booth and be like, "Oh, these calls look cool." And I'll start blowing them, and I sound like shit because they're just not tuned for me. Right. You know, or if I had to tune it myself, I'd probably figure it out. But there's a few gut systems out there that broken guts are great, and then there's some that don't have broken guts. And, I mean, they're just as – not I won't say just as good, but you can still get some good notes out of them and stuff. I do prefer broken guts just because of the flex on them, but – I always get a kick yeah. out of myself when I try to pick up somebody else's call to show them, you know, maybe like – um, maybe above average or at average or even mm. below average at goose calling and I pick up their call and it's just like I sound like a dying goose coming down you know <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah, just yeah. like no I swear I swear I swear it's like it's it's, it's yeah. your call it's not me and then you know their face they're, yeah. they're looking their faces like nah dude you suck a goose calling it's like yeah whatever yeah dude you're garbage yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah summer tunes way too deep like it takes too much air like there's too much of the reach showing for me they sound great on it but it I'll run out of air and blow it till my freaking lips are blue. But and then there's some that are just tuned way too light, so it sounds like a little goose too. But sometimes you you can pick up anybody's goose call and be like, oh, okay, I know as soon as I blow it where that reads at in that tone board and all that stuff in the gut system. Right? Have you ever like 
like trained your lungs to be able to meet that capacity of even out in the field like over the years have you like met the standard of like okay like i've like like trained my lungs to stay this capacity while out calling or is it like never like really changed or have you met a standard where it's like wow i can blow my goose call a lot longer over the years yeah i do notice when i will practice for a calling competition like when I first start going, I'm like, holy shit, I just ran out of breath there. And one of the most important parts, like you just almost need to like train yourself how to hold those breaths and how much to let out in anticipation for, you know, that there's another step that you have to go fast on, you know, so you need extra air in there. It's kind of hard to explain, but you don't want to empty out your tank and then take a big deep breath because you'll get a pause, you know? Right. That's what I've always like seen is that there isn't many pauses in competition goose calling or even like some very performant goose callers out in the field is that there's really never a pause and that's the fact where it's like i'll be calling in my vehicle and it's just like i quit after about four to five minutes but when i'm out in the field the adrenaline's pumping it's just like a whole different yeah. aspect i I'd see that's yeah. where like i'm skipping the beat of the whole like okay mm-hmm. i put it down good enough you know type of deal i can still right, right. get my calls out you know and if, and if you hunt with other guys in goose call really well, I mean, they, they carry you too. You kind of carry each other, but, but no, I'm uh, back, back to your question about lung capacity and stuff. I mean, I almost do. Yeah. You do train them a little bit because you got to get used to blowing that routine again. So I'm, mm-hmm. I have a lot more air control and capacity like two weeks into practicing than I did in the beginning. So I'm sure, yeah, maybe. I'm training my lungs or maybe I'm just getting smarter at taking breaths and holding air, you know? Right. Exactly. I mean, there's, there's a lot of aspects that go into goose calling and that's why it's like, these questions are like vastly like maybe like just maybe different ones that you probably, maybe you probably have heard a million times, but there's just questions that I have about it as well as like, there's, there's a million things to calling. And once you like start to script it back together or, or sorry, stitch mm-hmm. it together, it, it will develop a lot better. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, have you always, like, kind of, like, taught yourself? Like, Nick J has the new, um, you know... Uh, goose app or Goose Tech or whatever, yeah. Yep, and I, I haven't downloaded that or anything, but it's just, like, apps like that or stuff like that, technology like that can, like, vastly, like, perform you a lot better. But have you always just, like, been, like, the taught-yourself type person then? Yeah, kind of. I mean, way back in the day when I was, like, 15 and, like, blowing a short read, I would just kind of listen to other people, but I did have a couple like DVDs and cassettes on how to blow a goose call, but it just didn't make much sense to me. Cause it's like, well, you need to hold your air in the back of your gut and then you need to blow it out through your, you know, what diaphragm like this. And I'm like, what the hell is a diaphragm? And what's he talking <laughs> about when it comes to this, you know? So I just kind of picked it up and just, just blew it. I mean, it's, it's a one reed instrument and I just kind of kept blowing it, you know, until I figured it out. Like, okay, if I blow it this hard, it makes this sound. And if I hold it like this, I can make it make this sound. And, and just over the years and years and years and years and years and years and years, it just kind of, you know, formed it to where I can have it. But I will say that Nick Johnson's app, that goose tech app, Uh the way Nick explains it, he's got, like words and pitches or however the heck I, he explains it like almost like an alphabet to it that he is, he's explained it the best way that I've ever heard or seen that makes sense for me, you know? 
See, yeah, he is like one of those guys that like he can teach things very well. And like, yes, and I cannot. I am so bad at it, and I get so frustrated that it's like, look, kid. You know, I taught myself. <laughs> Good luck to you. You know, I don't know. Nick will sit there and teach you, but I, I'm so bad at it. I got a kick out of him. I keep bringing up Squad Fest, but I, just on the Nick J subject is that he was on a hammock. You know, if you guys want some teaching lessons, yeah. come over to the hammock over in this corner. <laughs> <Yeah>. and <I'm... laughs> yep. And then we get on the bus and we're leaving, and we look over, and Nick goes, well, I forgot my hammock. <laughs> Did he leave it there? Yeah, he left it there. He left it there overnight. I think he went back and got it, but he's like, fuck, I knew I was going to forget that thing. As we're going by, his green hammocks hanging in between two trees. Like, Jesus Christ, you fucking hippie. <laughs> but, yeah, Nick's a character all in himself. I love he's that kid. Awesome. He's one of, my, one of my best buddies. He just moved to Wisconsin, actually. Did he really? Yeah, he's going to start a guide service out there. Good he's for sick him. Of working in the, sick of working in his factory that he's been working in for like 15, 17 years or Oof. something ridiculous. So he said, I've had enough, dude. I got to do what I want to do. I'm not getting any younger or anything, you know. I don't know. So he said, screw it. Put in his two weeks today, actually. And wow. Bought a, sold his house and bought a house and put in his two weeks today. And he's moving out. Is he going to try to take clients out on public land and right in the middle of a gas or grass field or something crazy? Or? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I told him he's going to quit doing that. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, damn, I figured these geese out, you know, just too well. I got to go do some weird stuff. I get a kick out of that. He's like, were he, was he actually trying to shoot geese on a lake when he was floating those three goose decoys on his Snapchat? Or was it just like, just for funnies? Probably. You know, probably. I don't know. It's funny to us, but it's serious to him, I think. <laughs> like, I don't know. He was doing some weird stuff. We started having, like, an inside joke of, like, we'd sail a goose and it'd land in the cattails. And I'm like, it landed over there by Nick. <laughs> <laughs> like, landed in a big CRP field. Like, oh, don't run into Nick over there. He'll claim that goose. And, yeah, I don't know. Or the deer humping him out in the field, too, you know? Right, right, right. But, no, I, I see what he's doing. He's like, dude, we've, we've, t we've shown ourselves that we can kill geese in, right. in fields, but I just want to try to kill them somewhere even weirder and crazier. And he's like, don't get me wrong. I've wasted a lot of my time doing it. <laughs> so, yeah. You haven't gotten to that point yet, Joe, huh? No, and I don't think I will. <laughs> no. Fuck no, that. I'm good. I would like killing them, trying to kill them in like, like more out of box places, you know, like in a, in like in a parking lot, as long as it was legal, you know, What about like if, if you could hunt the field next to it, set up in the parking lot, see if you could get them to land there, but nothing standing five foot tall grass and try to call them in, you know, I, <laughs> I think what'd be cool is, uh, having the decoys out in the field and trying to shoot them from a tree stand. Yeah, so stuff like that I could see me doing, but I'm still hunting the field, you know? Yeah, <laughs> true. Like, how close can we park these trucks? <laughs> you know? Yeah, Just sit on the tailgate? Too. Is that even legal to do? I don't know. If we I don't sit know. On the tailgate. We probably don't want to impersonate ourselves of anything or anything like that. Yeah, I haven't right. done it. I've but... never done it. I haven't either. I was just wondering. Yeah, just wondering. I look, in, I look into everything before I try anything. We'll put it that way. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what about what about uh, the turkey hunting experience that you went on? Was that, was that like big just there? Big turkey hunter now. Are you? Big it? turkey Huge. hunter now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was awesome. I mean, I, I overlooked it for so many years and just was like, dude, turkey hunting's dumb. Like, you can just walk up to him under a tree and be like, that one, boom, and shoot it. You know, I don't know. That. And then I finally pulled the trigger, like, screw it. I mean, I want to, I want to teach myself something new again. 
you know, kind of like I did with goose hunting, like teach myself how to call, teach myself how to get them to react and in the ins and outs of something new that involves hunting, you know, I know. and, uh, sorry, keep going. And so I just, I got plenty of buddies that always ask me to go with like, Hey, come with, come with, come with. And to be honest, I don't really like going on very many invited hunts, but when it comes to like turkey hunting, I'm like, look, I've never done it before. And if this is how I want to learn, I should go with some guys that know what they're doing. So I went with my buddy Coy and his brother, Sam, and we went up to uh, Alexandria, Minnesota. And uh, we had two big toms freaking hollering, but then they didn't didn't come to us and three jakes came out and Coy's like, well, I want you to kill one. I didn't know, I didn't know you could only shoot one, to be honest. Like mm-hmm. I thought I could kill one and then I could go, you know, maybe the next day or a week or because I'm so used to just killing geese and the next day I kill geese and the next day, you know. I didn't know you could just kill one, so he's like, shoot that one. It's a it's a Jake. It's got a little beard hanging off. I'm like, all right, kaboom, you know. And then I saw like, my first one was a Jake. And he's like, yeah, you're done. You're take down. I'm like, what? If I would have known that, maybe I would have waited, you know. I don't know what I was thinking, you know. But So then my buddy, um, Connor Goff, out in uh, Michigan, he's got a, a, a huge guide service out there, and he's literally at 100% success rate. He'll, he – a hundred percent has put a turkey in front of all of his clients. No kidding. And he's he's came goose hunting with me. He was actually the one that came and filmed the iguana hunt for me and Turkey down in Florida. Cool. Yeah. So he's like, "Come on down here. Come over here, dude. I'll put you on one." So I was like, "Hey, I've never been to Michigan, so let's go." So took an hour and fifteen minute flight to Michigan. He picked me up. We drove three and a half hours to his lodge, and <laughs> then the next day we tried one spot. They didn't come to us tried another spot that afternoon didn't come to us and then that night we had turkeys gobbling all over and here here this two pack of them came in and they shot the biggest one and it, the spurs on that thing were pretty big even he said he's like dude this is like top three biggest spurs of the season damn see i was like sweet how you were explaining the whole questionnaire of like what do you think about turkeys and you're sitting there like it's a new experience and it's like a new learning mm-hmm. it's like a, a spark that was like how myself like i'm not sitting here trying to like oh i know your feeling joe like i'm exactly like you what i'm yeah, getting yeah. at is like it was my first year ever going turkey hunting and like i shot a jake my first jake and then i shot a tom and in, in minnesota yeah. and it's just like oh my gosh there's something new out here outside of waterfowl because that's all i've known is just waterfowl and so that's really cool to hear how you like took an aspect of like learning hunting not just goose you know right right exactly it just it's just one of those weird deals like you do uh sorry you do uh deer hunting as well i mean you've always Mm -hmm. done deer hunting with your father out in the country i mean and turkey hunting is like oh my god is it is it vastly different in your eyes like from everything else i think that's why i like turkey hunting because i like deer hunting so much i like going into the woods at night and sitting there when it's like literally just you not a lot of people know where you are it's peaceful you get to listen to the world wake up mm-hmm. and that's kind of what i liked about turkey hunting and then having them gobble and come running at you and stuff like that it's like oh hell yeah i could get used to this and you don't got to be that quiet you can whisper to each other you know like deer hunting you got to sit there and not make a peep and hardly move you know but out there you can be on your phone a little more and whisper to each other and you can hear them coming you know most times so there's going to be more joe hines out in the field turkey hunting next year huh yeah, well, yeah, I'm going to get that thing dialed in. My dream is to get Turkey Man a turkey, my buddy Seth. <laughs> yeah, oh, his real name is Seth? <laughs> yeah, yeah, his real name is Seth Rice. He's from Pekin, Illinois. But, yeah, no, 
he's like, I don't know, I've never had any interest. I'm like, well, you didn't have any interest in goose hunting until you came here and became friends with me, and now you're obsessed with it. He's like, yeah, true. So, so what does the name Turk Man come from? Because if you ever meet him, he looks like a big drummed up turkey. <laughs> <laughs> the way his arms kind of sit, he just the way he waddles. It looks like a big strutting turkey. Yeah, I got you. I got you. That's funny. You yeah. always are out, out and around with him. Turk man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Turkey. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Hey, man. Yeah, we part. You got to you, you do some more, like, adventurous stuff when you when you get away from the waterfowl, it sounds like. You, you know, this turkey mm-hmm. and deer, maybe you should maybe you should dig more into, like, other stuff during after waterfowl. But there's not, I don't know, there's not that many seasons after waterfowl, is there? No, not really. No, I don't <laughs> not so. really. Go shoot iguanas. Go, you know, I don't know. I really want to go shoot a kangaroo. I really want to shoot monkeys out of a tree. I don't know. About, stuff like that would be cool. What about peacocks? You can do that. You can shoot peacocks. You know that, right? Where at? I don't know. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's New Zealand, but I can't, I can't, I don't, don't quote me on that. All right. Well, I'll figure it out. I'd like to go shoot a swan, but shooting a peacock would be sweet. God, the dust coming off of that would look so like, pretty. <laughs> you just smash that thing in half, and there's just colorful feathers falling everywhere. Sick. Look up a video of peacock hunting on YouTube, and you will literally cheese the hell out, Joe. I promise you. It is the funniest <laughs> shit ever. <laughs> they fly nice. up like a pheasant, and then they just shoot it. <laughs> no way. Yeah, I'm I got to look into that. I got to look into that. I just talked to some guys in uh, Utah. I'm starting a uh, t-shirt company oh, okay. and I was talking to them about like making, you know, all this stuff and yada yada and how smooth they are and what whatnot. And they're like, yeah, we shoot a lot of swans out here. You can shoot one a year. So kind of like turkeys, but they got a lot of neck collared ones out there and stuff. And I was like, well, if this, if this company gets up and running and we decide to go with you guys, I'm definitely gonna come out there and shoot a swan. I've never killed one. I'd you like never to have, huh? I- nope. I've bought a tag almost each year in and out in South Dakota, but the tundra swan doesn't really like. It's it's in South Dakota, but it doesn't like. You can't like specifically hunt it in the certain areas that I hunt. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's one a of those, more difficult. Yeah, it's like one of those deals where if one flies over, I have a tag. You know. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. And dude, sometimes they do. You know, they like do, God, if I had a tag for this thing, I crush this son of a bitch. But no, never do. All right, one more last final question since we're kind of on like the whole invite thing with turkey hunt and everything. Like, does it ever mm-hmm. discourage you as being a outdoorsman and out in the industry that like you this is your job, you get several invites to do this and that and the other, and they keep flooding mm-hmm. in? Does it ever discourage you? Like, damn man, I can't go, or is it just like can't go? I'm working. And, like, it's just like ah, it's just one of those deals. It's mostly can't go. I'm working. I mean, I will go on invited hunts. You know, like some of my buddies that I've been hunting with forever. Like, they'll be like, hey, I got a spot out here, and I won't not go, you know, like, I will go. But but um, if I'm working and I'm guiding, you know, I got clients tomorrow, I can't come with you to your spot and take my paying customers there, you know. I just – Right. Just, it's weird to me, so I just we just don't do it. But um, another thing that discourages me is I've been on hunt sometimes, like, dude, we got a 1,000 geese going into a field, man. Get out here. We'll, we'll crush them. And I'm like, okay. So I'll drive, you know, three hours to meet up with them, and then we get there, and we're in, like, a Nick Johnson situation where the grass is four feet high. And they're like, yeah, they're going into that chisel-plowed cornfield over there a mile away. But we figured with your goose calling, we could get them over here. It's like, oh, my God, dude. Like, why did I do this? You know, <sighs> there's just so many people that 
You know, it's not that I don't trust people. I mean, it's I don't really trust people, but there's so many things that can there's so many things that can just go wrong. You know, like right. hey, dude, I got this really good duck spot, and come to find out, you know, his friend has it, and they didn't have permission for it, or something stupid. You know, that's never happened to me, but you know, along those lines is what could happen. And I just rather if I'm getting an invite, I rather just go with people that I know that back up what they're saying you know yeah and see that's another thing is like when it comes to friends it's like one of those deals where it's like you have to take the trust into like people that you've known for years and there is there's no aspect of like like okay this this joe schmo can just take me hunting it 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 takes a lot of like trusting and when it comes to the whole thousand bird geese thing i've i've said it before but when i say it it's to other friends of mine and they're like dude that ain't a thousand geese well i thought it was i counted i thought Yeah, exactly. Like a farmer count. There had to be 2,000 out there. There's like 50 of them. You know, like, uh, <laughs> They're always okay. going to that field. No, no. Right. Yeah, but don't don't get me wrong. I've I've gotten on invites where, you know, I'll look at their Instagram and stuff. Like, okay, these guys actually seem like the real deal. And we'll go out there and just hammer them, you know. But majority of the time I stay away from it. And, and A, because I'm busy guiding. And, and B, I don't really need to drive three four hours because i got my own spots around here you know and and the people that work with us have their own spots so it's kind of hard to leave you know right is fun hunt still a thing in your day and age oh yeah Yeah. oh yeah absolutely every opener we go on buddy hunts we don't run customers or anything and i always try to at least one time a year and if i'm lucky sometimes twice i'll go on a solo hunt really get a good spot or a good traffic spot or anything and go by myself no set up set up my dsds and no social media no well i mean i'd i'd film it if i could but right sometimes they're just it's during like a wednesday and i'm like oh i got permission for a field it's got 300 geese going in it i'm gonna go hunt it screw it or one of the spots the geese are flying over it or something like that you know try to ban hunt it is when i like to ban hunt Oh, we so can that way, when I kill one, there's no arguing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you you got the whole jingling around your neck. Gosh dang, I hate that. It just kills me. It kills me, Joe. Yeah, dude. Well, that's a lot of. I hunt more than your average beaver. That's for sure. The average beaver. <laughs> and I know how to look for them too. So. Yeah, you. Yeah. There's a couple of videos where you call them out in the air. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's it's luck. I mean, you got to get lucky that you have banded birds in your area, you know, right, or banded exactly. birds pushing through, you know. I mean, the central flyway is, we, we, there's a lot of people that ban geese, you know, and not just like in my town. They banned them all over Minnesota, all over Wisconsin. We kill a lot of them from Iowa, you know, and all that stuff. But, yeah, central flyway's got a lot of leg bands, more than most. See, we're Central Flyway in South Dakota, and we 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 don't really get that many bands. But I think it's just vastly different of like how they travel too. You know, like the ones where yeah. where the banding projects are, and then those flyways of like because obviously you see it's the whole Central Flyway, but the actual traffic that they take is in a certain way. You know what I mean? And it's yeah, and they're years. kind of slide to the east. Yeah, exactly, absolutely. Hmm. Majority of them, but yeah, up in Fergus will. When we start getting my, uh, the migration coming through and we start killing leg bands, it's a huge majority of them that are from Canada. Like even those double bands that we get, 
those are from Canada, and a lot of people will give me grief. They'll look at my lanyard and be like, oh, you hunt right across the road from where they banned them. And it's like, dude, no, I don't. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. those double bands come from 3.5 hours away. I mean, that's not local, you know? And they, they do do some banding in my town, but they only do it, like, once every three or four years, and we don't ever kill them. Like, I've never hunted a field that's had 100 geese in it, and all of them are banded. I've never been lucky enough to hunt like that. Right. So, so majority of like bands come from everywhere. What about okay? I don't mean to keep dragging this on, but like, no, what is your conversation? And I don't mean to put you in a pinch, but what's your conversation mm-hmm. topic on shooting bands? Like you're going band hunting. I like it. I think it's it's taking it to another toll, and it's taking it to another experience, and it takes another like experience. Sorry, I'm using the word experience a lot, but like it takes a different experience too go band hunting what is your yeah so when you say when you say band hunting did you find out where they banded them and they know what field they're going in and 90 percent of those honkers out there are banded or are you talking like okay the migration has hit town instead of our local population of 300 now there's 1500 and i'm going to go out to a field and band hunt because that's how i band on them like on a good migrator day or on a good you know traffic day or even if we get on an x I'll lay there and I'll land geese and it is a completely different game. First off, you got to get those geese to get comfortable enough to land. And then when they do land, listening to them make the noises they make and, and how they sit there and react and how they move around and how they mess with each other and shit and how they start feeding. And it's just all that shit is just so cool. Instead of like, here comes a flock, shoot into them, kill, you know, eight, 10, like, hell yeah. Instead, you land them and you look for the banded ones. I mean, there's, there's really nothing nothing better than that. Just because I like landing geese and I like watching waterfall work, you know? Right. That, that, see, that's sort of the aspect where it gets lost. They think you're skewing the whole script is skewing information. And then I don't understand no, that. No, you know you're, not, what I mean? you're not skewing no. information. I'm telling you where I shot this bird. I killed that leg. I mean, what do you want? Somebody else? I mean... Are you saying you wish you would have shot it so you could have reported it? Or how are they going to get the information? You know what I mean? Would you rather them they just die in a pond and hopefully we stumble across a freaking band or no band situation? Or what, you know? I'm killing them and reporting them. It's not like I'm killing them and not reporting them. So they're getting their information, you know? exactly. And see that I'm right there with you where it's like the aspect of like they are still getting shot and there's too much that goes on where it's like, you're you're killing less geese than you would to mm-hmm. get the information. You know what I mean? Like that is the whole aspect yeah. of it. And it's like you were saying at the the point of it is like, are you asking, am I going to where the band location is and following them all? No, mm-hmm. I am going right. to a feed of birds. And when these feed of birds are coming in, I'm just looking for bands. That's the yeah, aspect exactly. where it gets lost. Yeah, it's it's no different than deer hunting. I mean, you can shoot a doe or you can shoot a deer with freaking horns growing out of its head. Yeah, they taste can, the same, you know. And you can it's pick, the same thing. You can pick your trophy, or you can shoot the less of the trophy. Yeah, exactly. Why don't you shoot a spike then? Yeah, you know. Why are you Why are you going out shooting the the six by six and the two by two that just walked by? Yeah, exactly. Because you're you're kind of trophy hunting, and it makes it fun. And that's the point where it's like you move to the next script. You know, it's like I've yeah. figured this out. Now I want to just like amplify it a little bit more. And I think band hunting is like that 
it's that next step and it's like you've you've met that requirement i feel like no it's not mm-hmm. a requirement jesus but it's like right 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 that's another statistics of like just hardening hardening the the whole aspect of the hunt you know what i mean right yeah exactly i've sh- i've showed that i can go out here and wipe out flocks and shoot into every get the groups to decoy and shoot them but I really like watching them work and land and walk around and put the binos up and it's treasure hunting. Your band or no band <laughs> percentage on the whole Snapchat is like, I swear, like negative 10% half the time, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I think there's only been like two times. <laughs> I think there's only been like two times where I've actually got one. Like, holy shit, it is band. And it was just like sheer luck, you know? Oh, gosh, but no, otherwise it's, it's totally not. And a lot of people get confused too is because I do post people play band or no band win and yeah. then they'll send it to me and then i'll post it on my snapchat and people think it's me it's like really? no dude i'm not i'm not finding 40 leg bands a summer <laughs> you know like uh, i've never found one i've never found a dead goose that was banded i i have my buddy from north dakota he literally stops at dead geese or dead ducks on the side of the road just for me and he's mm-hmm. not a waterfowl person just to check for bands and i told him i said every band you find i'll give you 10 20 bucks he's like all right i'm stopping he sends me a snapchat <laughs> of him stopping at somewhere and looking at a dead duck or goose that's freaking awesome that's oh. freaking awesome bands but, are yeah. no. ba- bands are one of those deals where it's like it's a second excite second excitement a little tongue twister yes i don't get yes, it yes exactly it's 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 fun to pick up a leg band really anywhere you are. And my new thing is I like going to other states and getting a leg band. Like, oh, I killed that one in New York, or I killed that one in North Dakota. I killed that wherever, you know, wherever you go, try to get a leg band. is just is cool, you know. Here's a riddle for you. So I, what bands that really just like kill a script or not? I mean, make a script is that I shot a duck band in south dakota and the whole hunt mm-hmm. was just purely amazing and obviously i i don't like um turn the leg band in until like after the hunt of everything getting packed mm-hmm. up and this and that and the other the hunt was amazing get all the way back and this banded duck which doesn't really happen in south dakota for myself and this is just myself mm-hmm. is that i put it in and it's from pennsylvania and that's where the cool Whoa. aspect of it is i'm like and it, yeah. I reread the leg band like six times because I'm like, did I miss a number? Did I put that number in there right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. like, what the fuck? And yeah. yeah, that was the, and it was banded 2019, shot it in 2021. That thing traveled two flyways yeah. or three flyways in two years. That's crazy to me. Yeah, and that's the badass part. I love guessing the age and I love, you know, like, you know, I mean, even if it's a male or a female, guess the age and where yeah. it came from. Where do you think this one came from? Oh, I came from Wisconsin. That's badass. Or, you know, migrators, it's usually Canada, northern Minnesota someplace, or even Iowa. But my, it's just cool, you know. My little story compared to yours, I mean, you've shot several more bands than me, and that's okay. Because I, like I said, <laughs> right, there's jealousy fine. to that. Where is <laughs> the coolest band story to you? Is there several, or is there one that sticks out for you? Man. I got several. Uh, one time, me and my buddy Brian Hansen were hunting north of town, uh, north of Hutchinson, and uh, it's not even my band. But um, there's this. We were running traffic. We were in a bean field, and the cornfield was right behind us that they're going in. There had to be like 500 in there, and we go out there, set out the DSDs, got it. Everything's blinded up. We're sitting there, and this flock of 20 like kind of skirted us and was circling that cornfield that was coming over to us. And this two-pack flew over me, and I'm like, I'm going to shoot this two-pack, Brian. So I pull up, I shoot the two, and he shoots one, and I walk out to my two, no bands. And he's like, are you banded? I go, no. 
And um, he's like, mine is, and it looks really, really, really old. And I look, and the first numbers were like 098 or 0998, which I knew were old because my first leg band I ever killed was a 0998, you know, freaking 15 years ago. I was like, holy shit. So we can hardly read any of the numbers. And back in those days, they had different fonts. Like they had a, their nines were different and their threes were different. Mm-hmm. So we're looking, trying to figure it out. Like, okay, we have, we have the five of the six numbers or five of the seven. And we posted it on um, Facebook and a couple band nerds were like, Oh, well this band is, you know, that that's definitely a nine and that, or that's an eight or whatever. Anyways, it was banded. It was a 17 year old honker banded in Hutch where we shot it. No. And that it was, it was just crazy to me. Like dude, it, when that thing was banded, I was 13 years old, like playing Grand Theft Auto two, waiting to go to hockey practice. You know what I mean? Like waiting for my mom to bring me to hockey practice is when they banded that bird. Like what the hell? So that, that was really, really cool. But I, I real quick, my favorite one of all time. And sometimes people could give me grief about it, but a lot of people get bitchy, like, oh, you're not supposed to shoot with your clients. It's like, fuck that, dude. I'm a killer before, you know, like, if I'm not able to shoot with my customers, <laughs> I'm not guiding, period. You know, I'll just film and do whatever. But yeah. I had this, uh, I had this, there's four guys, and I sat in the middle of the of the four, so there's two on my right, two on my left, and the, the two guys on my left were just so obsessed with killing Double Man. We want to kill Double Man. I told them, hey, it's just you four guys today. I'm hunting with you. Like we're buddies. Like I'm going to shoot my, I'm going to shoot my three and you guys are going to limit out two. It was starting to snow. I knew it was going to be dynamite. Anyway, the six pack comes and lands on the hard left. And I'm like, all right, you guys get up and shoot that six pack, shoot the six pack. Those two guys stand up, kill their six geese. They're done. They're limited out. They go get them. No bands. And I'm like, all right, the single comes in and I go single on the left here, guys. Shoot that one. Shoot that one. Shoot him, shoot him, shoot him. I'm standing outside of the pit, like shoot him. And they pop up, and they, like, look the other way. So I'm like, what the hell? So I grab my gun, bam, kill that single, double banded. <laughs> and they're like, and the, that one guy, he got pretty pissed off. He's like, what the fuck? I don't even know why you're shooting. I'm like, dude, you're just mad that you shot your three geese, didn't get any bands. Yes, I shot a single, but it was either, like, shoot it within the next two seconds or don't shoot at all. And luckily I shot because it was double banded, yeah. you know? So anyway, we get this other group to come in. The guy, long story short, the one guy gets his limit. I have two geese to go, and the guy next to me has one goose to go. And this 20-pack comes in and just sets up on us, dude, like 10 yards away. And I go, let's kill him. And I pop up, and I'm pointing at a bird that's like a cherry bird, and usually they get away. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to shoot that bird because maybe he's going to shoot that. So I pull left, shoot my bird, comes down. He ends up shooting that cherry bird that I was originally aiming at, and his was double banded. So I was like, hell yeah, dude, we got two double banded birds. And, you know, the customers got one. Thank God. But now I got one. And now he's limited. Everybody's limited out but me. I got one bird to go. And no. this goose comes, <laughs> this, goose comes over, <laughs> this goose comes over the fence line and is just hovering in, you know. I'm like, all right, I'm going to shoot this and we'll get out of here. It locks up and it's a quill lake. It's got like a big fat white bar across its chest. Yeah. I'm like, hey, you guys, it's a quill. I shoot it. I run out there, double banded. <laughs> I shot two, two double banded geese out of my for my three bird limit, and then those guys. Well, the one guy got the one, and hit that one dude on my left was so pissed. He's like, "Fucking Kevin doesn't even hunt that much. Fuck him!" And oh man, I was dying laughing. Oh, 
They, they were cool dudes, but that, that was unbelievable. I kind of felt like a douche after that, but I was like, fuck that, dude. I shot my geese. They shot their geese, and it's not like I was band hunting. It's just lucky, you know? Right. But yeah, that one was that one was tricking nuts. I remember going home and just smiling, and being like, "Wow!" <laughs> Did you just breast out that double banded quill lake too? Didn't you? Probably, dude. I so did, and I oh, so wish I did. Gosh, I have this. Joe. I have this video buried in my phone because I'm like, oh, "Quill lake geese." I mean, there's a lot of white on the geese, on the Canada goose the way it is. So of course it's gonna get some white in other places, you know. Right. But I just made this video of like, oh yeah, this quill lake's really cool. It's got two bands on it. I cut the bands off and breast the bird. And now I'm like, ah, you know, I maybe should have mounted that one. I don't know, whatever. I should have mounted it. Were the double bands riveted, or is that just a solid thing when it yeah, comes yeah, to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, it was. Yeah, it was. It was a rivet and regular leg band, and a rivet and a stainless leg band. Gosh, like I. Some of the stuff that happens with bands, like I, I don't understand all the different bands with rivet bands or this and that and the other. And I, and far yeah. back, like even probably like four years ago, geez, that's not far back. Geez, I'm not trying to sound old, but like I think <laughs> four years ago, we, we sent you a Snapchat of an, it seemed like an older band, like a Snapchat. And, and we, we screen recorded, you're like, damn, that's an old band. And I was like, I don't yeah. even know what it looks like, I guess. I mean, it's just a band in our eyes, you know what I mean? Because, I, right, right. It's like there's so many different bands out there. Like I, to this year now, I just found out about bands that were, um, gosh, it's a certain band project up in Canada. What's it called? Like a yeah, it's a, where it's where they're doing the double something. bands. No, the minor. Oh yeah, yeah, the, the Jack Minor bands. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Like the history behind like some of the bands. Like I'm so like clueless, and some people are like, don't yeah. you know this person? Don't you know this band? Don't no, I don't. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the Jack Minor bands are like the holy grail of leg bands, and and by holy grail, I mean they literally have a Bible verse on them. What? Yeah, they have a Bible verse on it. Jack Minor. It's like a taller leg band. They have some type of Bible verse. And then they have numbers that you can call in. I've never killed one. I've never even seen one die. But I'll tell you, if I was ever in a hunt, I'm not. I'm not one of those guys that if a leg band drops and I'm like, oh, I shot that one wrong, I'm going to be in the drawing. Like, usually 90% of the time, I'm not in the drawing. But if yeah. I do think I shot it, and and I'm a fair person, I will be in the drawing. But if no matter what, if a Jack Miner band drops, I would be in that drawing. <laughs> if I shot one shot the shell, complete opposite way. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think that'd be about the only time where I was like, oh my God, I shot to the left and it died hard right. I can't do it. You know, just because I just, it's hard for me to wear a leg band where I don't either 100% know or I had a very, very good chance of killing it, you know. But a Jack Minor one, whoo, that'd be a hard one to lose. What about neck collars? I've killed two of them. You have? But we, uh, we're, yeah, we were in our three of them. I've seen three of them die. Okay. We were in North Dakota one time. And uh, we killed a uh, um, leg band with a tarsal band. Oh. Like a, like a red tarsal band from yep, up yep, in yep. Canada. Yep. And we were filming, and the guy's like, hey, three of us shot. It was like me, uh, another guy, and another guy. And, and he's like, hey, uh, we should just uh, – Adam Tupman. It was Adam Tupman, another guy, and me. He's like, let's just draw for it. And I go, no, dude, to tell you the truth – I don't even think I shot at that one. I might have shot at one on the left. So let's look at the footage. And we looked at the footage, and sure as shit, I shot at the one on the left. And oh. him and his, it was between him and his buddy, and, and Adam ended up winning it. But that one was so cool. It was like worn down, worn down red plastic. Like you can uh -huh. tell it's been around for a while. I want to say it was like six years old too. Damn. Pretty cool. So you have you have net collars in your in your arsenal for yourself then? 
Yep, yep. I got two. I seen two of them. I have because I went to Tennessee and that's where they banded a bunch of them. Yep. And I just wanted to see net collars, and we went out there. And I mean, the hunt was pretty tough. We only killed like six geese, but two of them were collared. And then we got a blue one up in Fergus Falls, Gosh. which is pretty cool. Well, okay, I'm taking a far spin here, but why has Joe never like wanted to go hunt little geese? I have. You have? I've hunted little geese a lot. Oh yeah. shit! Okay, never mind. Wow. We've got I guess the I... shit out of little geese. We've had hundred bird days on little geese. <laughs> never mind. I guess I don't. I guess I don't know you that well then. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. You didn't even do your homework before yeah, you called yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> Who the fuck is this guy? No. <laughs> no. We go down to we go down to Oklahoma with Coastal Wing Outfitters. That Larry Robinson homes in Loveland, Oklahoma. Okay, yeah. I don't know why and, I asked that stupid question. Maybe I just, the three beers I'm staring at, maybe just got ahead of me or something. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but no, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, we, we kill a lot of little geese. I've killed plenty of them. I got a bunch of videos on the roost and, and YouTube, actually, that of killing little geese and stuff. Killing little geese. I, see, I, my first impersonation of little geese was like, Damn, these things just got to be easy to find now. They're, they're, they're hard to scout. They're hard to scout. Right, right, right. Well, Mr. Joe, this has been a hell of a fucking run. You've been sharing stories from anywhere from iguana to little geese now. <laughs> yep, yep. Iguana, little geese, big honkers. Hey, I, it makes me sad that you're not going to Squad Fest and Game Fair, but I think you got a solid excuse behind your back there because uh, mm -hmm. that's why I asked, but... Uh, Nonetheless, man, it was a blast having you on, and I hope your off-season treats you well for the rest of it, and then God bless your, your regular season, you know what I mean? Yeah, dude, definitely. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, and same with you, and hopefully we can get together sometime and shoot some geese and Absolutely. all that stuff. Just Absolutely. keep doing what we both love tremendously, you know? This is a loving aspect of the waterfowl is just kicking back and talking about it in my eyes. I've, I've met so many cool, cool-ass people. That it, it's just a blessing, you know? It's awesome. Absolutely. Every state, everywhere, so it's cool. Well, my man, take it easy, and I don't know what else to say. I really don't. I mean, just take it easy and have fun for the rest of your life, my man. Make sure you follow me on Instagram, Grinder Heinz. Make sure you follow me on Snapchat, Mr. Heinz, M-R-H-E-I-N-T-Z, and subscribe to theroostv.com. One of the best goddamn waterfall apps you're ever going to see in your life. <laughs> you want to get good at goose calling and, and strategies to kill more geese? Theroostv.com. You want to get Woo. on the stage? Go on the Roost TV. <laughs> yeah, all right. Woo! Hell yeah. But, oh, no yeah, man. dude, I... I I can't thank you enough for having me, dude. I, I like doing this shit. I mean, I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours. So. I could too, but I think this whole hotel life is going to kick my ass over here. <laughs> I hear you, dude. Well, keep <laughs> drinking them beers. You'll fall asleep in no time. <laughs> exactly. Hey, take it easy, Joe. <laughs> All right. Have a good one, man.